Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. How exciting is this again to be looking forward to the Winter Olympics? And I'm going to say at Pyeongchang, Korea, but we're going <laughs> to tackle that <laughs> because joining us in studio today, we have Mike Hedrick, Alex Cabrero, and Andrew Wittenberg from KSL TV. Hey, you guys ready for the Olympics? Oh, we're ready. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah ready and waiting. Yeah. I, I, have you guys thought about um, at some point trying out for the bobsled team? <laughs> I mean, we're one person short. That's uh, true. We are sending a crew of five, so I mean, we could have an alternate, actually. We could have a four-man bobsled team from the KSL crew. Because what I understand is the bobsled and the skeleton are the only Olympic sports that you don't have to have trained your whole life, that you can actually show up and go, maybe I got the goods, and then do, what did they say, like a combine? Did you see that, Alex? Uh, yeah, where they get people involved who might want to do the sport. Yeah, they have um, to do long jump, and they have to do like hurdles and sprints. And- you know, something a couple of weeks ago, Mike, Andrew, and I, we were at the uh, Ice Oval in Kearns, and we tried curling. For the first time. And I think if we gave it three months of hard work, we could all three of us could be Olympians. Okay, but who was the sweeper? Were you sweeping? We also we took turns sweeping. Okay. So okay. yeah. We all, got, we all did it. And uh, how was it for you, Andrew? I, I was the worst of the batch. Um, <laughs> That's true. I, I'll actually I'll second that. <laughs> I'm glad to have that uh, affirmation, Mike. The, uh, I, the the stone itself is insanely heavy. Yes. You don't realize how slick the ice is, especially when uh, people may, who watch curling may not even notice, but they're actually they, – they like push off and their their foot one of their feet is on like this plastic thing that slides on the ice and it's really slippery um, like what you use you move furniture if you want to yeah. move heavy furniture like you slip a little pad. thing underneath sure. yeah but it actually looks like or sounds like something when i bowl i kind of look like that but accidentally and i'm not standing but on we any didn't plastic put the bumpers up for this one. <laughs> yeah there were no bumpers but uh, it's way harder than it looks because i mean i think a lot of people look at curling and say i could walk out there and do that Give me 10 minutes just to get the gauge, the length of the stone or anything. It's it's really hard. And now my husband's from Canada. And uh, when we had the 2002 Olympics here in Salt Lake City, his father came down, big time curler. Yeah, sure. And so when he showed up in Ogden, where most of the curling events were, uh, he became a celebrity. He's about six foot five. And he was wearing a tall, looked like Sam I Am hat from Dr. Seuss with Canada emblems on it. And people would turn to him and he explained the whole curling. And he went to three of the events and said, you know, oh, this is really weird. You know, the Americans, they just don't understand. Yeah. Curling is a really aggressive sport. It's kind of like cornhole for, for Canadians. <laughs> Canadian cornhole is how I would yeah. describe it. Well, there's our ode to curling yes. <laughs> and bobsled and a little bit of skeleton, but there are a lot of different events. So as you guys prepare to, you, you all three are traveling to Korea together. At what point do you guys head out? 
So we head out uh, in a couple of weeks. We head out on February 2nd. So we're going to be there just a little under a week before the games start. Do you go through some language training so that if, for example, you get off a subway, you, you can find your way? Or how are you going to navigate right. that? Kind of? uh, no, 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 no. They We've, just kind of throw us over there and, you know, best of luck good kind luck. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've no, got I mean, Siri. I think Siri might be able to translate perfect. for us. The Google Translate app we learned in Rio is great to be able to just hold the camera on your smartphone up to a sign and have it translated over into English is kind of cool. Um, so that's nice. But, uh, I mean, really, we are embedded with NBC. I mean, we go through an NBC charter package with a bunch of other affiliates. We're always around other English-speaking American broadcast types. So unless we make the conscious decision to sort of go off the reservation, you might say, uh, we really are generally around a lot of English-speaking American they know exactly who we are, and we know exactly who everyone is around us. And if we need to go somewhere or ask for help, um, it, it's it's not far away. So it's interesting because for me, the Olympics is a blend of things. It's it's the moment when uh, the athletes are either on the hill or uh, you know sledding or skating, and watching them give their very best. All their training will come down to that just that moment. And we all know that their mind and their body has to be performing perfectly that day to be able to get the best. And then the other part. It, are the human stories behind it. So, I mean, Alex, I, you're a softball. I, I'm going to say this. You're an athlete. You've enjoyed sports for years. So sure. is that something you grew up watching is just and dreaming about someday being in the Olympics? And um, You know, I, I never thought about being in the Olympics. You know, it's an honor to definitely cover the Olympics. I always thought, you know, this is something I'd like to maybe cover as I, if, if I become a reporter as an adult. But I think what gets me with these Olympians is sometimes – even though we're over there covering and doing a job, it's fun to step back and just appreciate for a minute, like, I am seeing the best person in the world at this particular thing, um, which is really amazing. One of the moments we took, uh, Andrew and I, in Rio for the last Summer Olympics, we went to the gold medal uh, table tennis. You can't call it ping pong. They get really offended. It's table <laughs> is tennis. Is that an American thing? <laughs> That's an American <laughs> thing, right. But for a second, we're like, this is the best table tennis match in the world we're ever going to see, the gold medal match. And, and so sometimes, even with something like that, and I know we laugh at curling sometimes, but to see the best of the best in that particular thing is quite an honor. I, mean, I think we all took a time out when Michael Phelps went swimming because that's something you appreciate, you know, and when Usain Bolt runs, that's something, you know, you really appreciate. And for the Winter Games, it's really, you know, when Sean White goes, or Salt Lake City resident Nathan Chen, when he's going to figure skate, you really get a sense that I'm seeing the best of the best, and that's it's an honor to see that. And sometimes it hits you when you step out of reporter mode for a second, and you're just a regular human being. That you're witnessing the right. very best. For those who've right. just joined us, by the way, the voice of Alex Cabrero, Cabrero, I say it, from KSL Television, we also have, and you've been at five different Olympics, Andrew Wittenberg from Mornings. This is your second Olymp- Olympics. I'm going to go to Mike really quick. Mike Hedrick, this is your very first Olympic experience. So this is my first Olympics experience where I'm actually a part of the Olympics. You're Years ago, I went to Torino, but I was there with a different affiliate, Mm -hmm. so I was with uh, the CBS affiliate. Well, we didn't have access to anything, and so what I did was I went out there 10 days earlier, and we got kind of a feel, the culture, the flavor of the place, and uh, brought back stories, and once the Olympics started, we came back, and then we aired those stories. So it's still, even though I technically kind of covered the Olympics, I didn't cover the Olympics. This is the time, the opportunity for you to be right in the middle. Yeah, and that's I'm excited about that because it'll be, it'll be something I've never experienced before. And, you know, hopefully I can convey, uh, I, hopefully I can convey a little bit of that too. I mean, maybe the experience that these other two have that uh, have been there, they're seasoned, they know what to do there. Me, maybe I can bring that feel of, uh, you know, 
thousands of other people who are out there watching and never get a chance to go. And uh, for me, it's going to be, it'll be a brand new thing. And hopefully I can convey a little bit of that, maybe like a little kid in a candy store. It'll feel like that, I think, to a degree. Well, and you pointed out, Andrew Wittenberg, you were at the Rio de Janeiro Summer Olympics, and now you're going to Pyeongchang. Uh, In fact, let's talk about that for just a second, because a Korean friend of mine said it's Pyeongchang. And yet we're going to be hearing a slightly different pronunciation uh, with everyone who's a part of NBC. Is that right? Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's sort of like the Americanization of, of the Olympics being broadcast through NBC as the rights holder for the United States. But, you know, we had uh, promotions running actually last summer that said Pyeongchang. And then we got guidance in a very blunt email one day that said, we've changed our minds. We're going with Pyeongchang. And that was from NBC. Because most Americans have been hearing in the news over the years or studying in their history books and are are used to the pronunciation of Pyongyang. Pyeongchang. Yeah, so right. we want it to resonate. Exactly. And that's how it looks. Okay. I mean, that's, I think that's why they probably switched it, because it was like, it didn't matter how many times we said Pyeongchang, they're like, what's wrong with you? It's Pyeongchang. You know? <laughs> we can see C-H-A-N-G yeah, right the on the screen. There and, and think it's a hard A. And so... <laughs> what, what's it like for you to be... To, first of all, you were in the Brazilian culture, Rio de Janeiro, right? And now the anticipation of immersing yourself in Korean culture, Andrew. It's great. Um, I mean, I think Primarily for me, um, I, I really I love food, international food, uh, any kind of. I, I mean, I've never met a, a, a cuisine I don't like to some degree. So I love that aspect of it. Uh, had a great time in Rio, especially getting out a little bit. And like I say, you're in in sort of a. I mean, you're in a bubble with NBC because it's the American rights holder, and it is the sort of shining star on the hill for Olympic broadcast. Uh, at these games, and so you're. I mean, you're. While you're somewhat insulated, you're also kind of. I mean, high up on the food chain, so you, you're not out there just scrounging around for food from some like you know street taco place or whatever. Um, so your like immersion into the culture isn't like what you might think it would be. Like mm-hmm. you don't just get off a plane, hop in a taxi, and go surfing around the streets of Rio, you're you're fairly insulated as far as where you can go, what you can do. And in Rio, there were some security concerns because it's a huge city. There's a lot of crime there. And so we were advised in no uh, short terms or in, in no um, way that you know wasn't very clear that we shouldn't stray too far outside of the Olympic boundaries. So South Korea is much more safe, much more... Um, westernized, if you will. They love Americans there. And in fact, I have experience with South Koreans. Um, in my last job before we moved to, to Utah, my wife and I, we lived in Columbus, Georgia, little town on the Alabama-Georgia border. And Kia Motors moved a plant, a manufacturing plant from South Korea to West Point, Georgia. So if you've ever looked at your sheets on your bed and you've ever seen West Point Stevens, West Point, um, that's they make like something like 80-something percent of the sheets for beds and pillowcases in the world. This little town got this massive Kia manufacturing plant. And when they did the ribbon cutting, all of these executives came over from Seoul. And we got to do a bunch of interviews, meet them, learn about Korean culture. And uh, it was fascinating. It was amazing. And one thing that I took away from that is they love Americans. They love everything about America. Uh, they really enjoy you know, the American West, uh, which we see out here quite a bit as well. Um, with uh, a number of Koreans who come to visit our national parks, et cetera. So I think from that standpoint of immersing yourself into the culture, it's going to be great. It's something I'm not too unfamiliar with, but also at the same time, we're there to do a job. We work a lot. It's a lot of long days in a row. And, you know, kind of by the end of it, I mean, by the end of those days, 
I mean, I, I hate to say it because it's awesome and it's a really cool experience, but you're not just like, hey, let's go uh, see some of the sites. What do you say, guys? You can take a little yeah. nap. Yeah. I when, mean, you're like, you're itching for the pillow. Well, and, and let's talk about Alex, because I mentioned that you've covered five dif- different Olympics over the years. And as you are focusing on the, some of the backstories right. of these Olympians, and, and you mentioned just a few. So tell us who, who we can kind of watch and, and who you expect. And there'll be stories unfolding, right. like as Mike said, right there. While you're in the midst of it, there'll be more stories unfolding. But uh, yeah, a lot of like we said, Nathan Chen is a Salt Lake City ice skater. He's, his um, you know went to West High School over here and um, trained at the Olympic Oval. Trained mm-hmm. right, trained at the Olympic. We trained up at um, the, the the ice skating rink on University of Utah campus. There you go. Yes, and, and um, that's where he started Salt Lake City Figure Skating Club. They moved away to California when he was in high school because he showed potential. And uh, now he's this big time star. So he's he could be the star of the Olympics. And he's right here from Salt Lake City, where normally you have skiers and bobsledders and speed skaters. And he's a figure skater and um, really expected to do well. So he's definitely somebody we'll watch. You know, Salt Lake City, we're also home to U.S. um, speed skating and uh, ski and snowboard teams. So we have a lot of local athletes. I think in Sochi, there were out of 200 some athletes for Team USA, 54 of them had Utah ties. So that's a quarter of Team USA. Is has Utah ties, so we are very busy trying to follow up on a lot of these athletes. And sometimes, yes, everybody knows Nathan Chen, but I think what we like doing is finding the athletes that maybe don't get a lot of publicity. Um, you know, there was a woman, uh, Jerrica Tandeman, who made Team USA long track speed skating. She just made the Olympic team. We did a story with her last week, and she's a Kearns girl. She grew up in Kearns with the oval pretty much in her backyard, and she remembers going to the 2002 Olympics with her parents. And she said, that looks really cool. I would like to do that. Wow. So and right here, right when here, we were hosting the Olympics, she right. got the And now she made the Olympic team with the oval in her backyard. And it's those stories I think we really like because NBC is going to cover the big stories. They're going to have plenty on Nathan Chen, plenty on Lindsey Vaughn, plenty on Sean White. But they're not going to have a lot on Jerrica. You know? And that's something where I think we can provide our viewers is a lot of these local stories that maybe the big networks aren't going to pay attention to. Um, we also like covering stories where there are people from Utah who are going to be doing things to help the Olympics, like um, a couple of the people who will be doing ice from the ice oval. They're going to South Korea to help manage the ice at the speed skating venue. Same with a bobsled track guy from Park City. He carves and shapes the ice in Park City. Make sure the depth is exactly X-ray. where it needs to be, the conditions. That's right. And he will be there in South Korea helping their Olympic committee as well. So it's those little stories that, hey, it's not always athletes we cover. We like to find the people that have some type of tie. Um, University of Utah has three doctors who we, we go on over there to help uh, do the, you know, the care for athletes. So those are the stories we look for, too, that you won't see on the network. Right. That we'll have a chance to see with KSL 5 TV. Right. Mike, off. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, to follow that up, it's we live in a great place here where I think you're walking around town and any of these people that you pass by could be potential Olympic athletes or could be Olympic athletes. I was at, uh, I was at my gym a week and a half ago. One of the trainers comes up to me. He's like, hey, you know the other trainer, Alana? I'm like, describe her to me. Describe her to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who Lana is. Yeah, she's, you know, she's going to the Olympics. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, her name's Lana Gehring, and she's also a speed skater. And so it was just so fascinating to me because I've seen her for years at the gym. She's a trainer. And all of a sudden, she was in the Olympics eight years ago, didn't make it 
in Sochi four years ago and then just made the team again. So she's had a, a long span here. But again, here's a, a person who's walking amongst us. She's not the poster child like Chen or some of these other people, but she's someone I think people would be very interested in as they head on over there and to know what their story is and uh, and, and and to be able to root for them and pull for them, not just because they're USA, but these are right in our backyard, these people. And so and, it's just and, and I think we can all relate, Mike, to the idea of having a dream and trying to do everything you can to work towards that dream. And then knowing that this is the moment that it's got to happen. And, and, and for me, the backstories of these athletes, because there are obstacles, whether it's been injuries or life stories or, or um, challenges, personal challenges, that every one of these athletes has a story behind them. So for me, again, I go back to the moment when they've got to put it on the ice. They've got to do it. And, and that's what's breathtaking for me is that it that their performance at the Olympics may not even be reflective of their potential because there's so much going on and it's just one well, you know, opportunity. And yeah. both, both of you guys can testify to this as well. Um, we do stories leading up to the Olympics. On, we don't know beforehand if they're going to make it or not. We're just going off of whether the potential is there. And we've done several stories on people who have been this close and they're not making their way to South Korea. And it's so you get invested, too, because you spend time with them. You do the story and and you're kind of devastated as well. And you can only imagine with them who have been uh, spending uh, years. They have spent years training uh, hours and hours a day. And it's it's interesting, their attitude. You guys would probably agree with this. Even if they don't make the Olympics to get over there to South Korea, they're like, you know what? Okay. I'm bummed about that. I'm going to go back on the ice or up on the hill. I'm going to do whatever it is again and keep training for the next four years. When you, know, you guys that, say, that I mean, personal that, best. And that's what gets you is sometimes the amount of dedication these athletes put in. And Mike is right. Sometimes you start getting to know these athletes for a little while. Um, one of the guy covered in Sochi, a guy named Justin Ryder, he's a, he's a snowboarder who was sleeping in his truck up in Park City because he couldn't afford the training. Or, or, or couldn't afford staying in hotels and the food, so he stayed in his truck just to save money to train. His dream was to make the Olympic team, and he made it. He finally made the Olympic team. He was so excited. In his two runs, he came in like 28th, and he disqualified. He had a horrible Olympics, but he could always say, well, I was an Olympian. He, he retired now. He's not doing it this time around, but you get to know these people. Another one, a speed skater, Sugar Todd, a woman I got to know. She was an Olympian in 2014 in Sochi, long track speed skating. She was supposed to make this team, and she didn't make it by five hundredths of a second. She just, and I mean, you think that's as fast as you blink. And she, that's the difference of being an, another Olympian and not going that mm. fast. So, yeah, you really get invested in these athletes. And sometimes that stories of that fine line of making it to not making it, it's heartbreaking a lot of times. Now, you are, or shall I say, Pyeongchang or Pyeongchang, uh, will be, it's 14 hours ahead of us. And so all three of you. Is that about right? Yeah, fourteen, fifteen. I don't know okay. if there's a time change somewhere with a daylight saving. I, I don't know over there. Huh? Greenland. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you imagine we're right in the middle of daylight saving time, right while we're there, huh? But can I say that you've taken the 24 hours of the Olympics and have basically divided it up so that we will be getting constant coverage? Is that what's what we're looking oh, forward yeah. to? Yeah, it's split up amongst all of us. I mean, Andrew, you'll be covering most of the mornings. I'll be doing the evenings, and Andrew. Uh, or uh, Alex, you're going to be everywhere in between. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially, we. if you can kind of imagine being this far away, what, 6,000 miles, something like that? Sure. I don't know. Have you ever been that uh, far uh, from home, Andrew? Uh, just in Rio. Okay. <laughs> you know, 2016. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, we literally will kind of essentially have our same jobs, 
um, just over there. Um, so the time difference is weird. I'll actually not be getting up before the crack of dawn for a change. My Our morning show will start, I believe, at 8.30 at night. Korean time. Korean mm-hmm. time. So 4.30 in the morning. So I'm used to getting to work at 4 o'clock in the morning here in the building at KSL. And this will be a, a nice change yeah, that I'll be able to sleep in. Yeah, you have kimchi and dinner. And then, you know, 3 a.m. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I wonder, um, as we talk about the Olympic spirit, because um, each of these athletes, have you had a chance to find out what drives them? What is it about individuals that say, I, I am going to work towards becoming the best? Do you see common themes there about tenacity? Or, sure. or does everyone have kind of a different story? Alex mentioned that determination that you see in these athletes, and sometimes they don't make it by just, uh, I mean, a a, a razor-thin margin. They won't make the Olympic team, and they'll go right back to training. It's unreal because most of us would sit there and sulk, you know, I put all this time in, all this training, all this money, all of these resources. A lot of the, so for instance, like a lot of the speed skaters out in Kearns, as as you probably know, Rebecca, a lot of them are from Central Florida because where that's where inline skating is so huge, and so they come out to Utah to learn how to get on the ice, to be a speed skater and they'll come out here for years um and you don't make it i mean have i just wasted all this time right, they transition from yeah. wheels to a blade on ice and well, so I mean, imagine then make if that you do shot. that transition and then you don't make it yeah. you have i mean spent all of this time and I, I just think so many of us sit there and would sulk and say well i guess i got to get out in the real world and find something else to do but the common trait that i would say that you see with regard to the olympic spirit isn't necessarily so so much stars and stripes and American patriotism type thing. It's that they have this dream, this like something that burns inside them to be the best that there is at that particular sport, at that discipline. It is unreal, unlike anything you'll ever see. I've been around a lot of NFL athletes who have that similar drive, and you see some journeymen, but it's it is something that is very unique to see that amount of determination. I, I was thinking too, um, we've been talking about the competitions, but there is there are some powerful moments where the entire world comes together, uh, whether it be the opening ceremony or the closing ceremony. And that as, as, a, as, as someone who cares about world peace, right? I mean, we care about trying to find a world where we can be compatible. For just a moment, things pause and we celebrate the best. We even have North Korea and South Korea saying, okay, we'll be on the same team under the same flag. And I'm sure that's stirring for you, too. Yeah, that's something we know. I mean, opening ceremonies, it's the busiest day of our entire experience there because so much is happening. But there is that moment when it's going on. You realize you're in the center of the world attention. You're, you're right there in the middle of it. Um, in Sochi, one of the flag bearers for his country from Team Ireland is a guy named Connor Line. He's a skier that grew up in Logan. He went to Logan High School, graduated from Logan, still spends time in Logan. But he had some Irish descent, so he's able to compete for Team Ireland. And he was chosen as the flag bearer. And to talk with him about that moment, that determination and that pride in in his country and himself and representing Utah as well, it, it was absolutely amazing to, to hear that from him. He was, I remember he was in tears as they're walking into the, to the stadium for opening ceremony. And, and that moment where everything seems to be at peace for a little while, it, it's, it's striking. And then you find out Russia's going to invade Ukraine in a couple weeks after the Olympics. But, <laughs> That's Sochi, <laughs> yeah. post-Sochi, post right? But part, of the, part of the Olympic motto and part of it is, is to have peace. Don't mix the politics. To, to put that aside for just a couple of weeks— and let's just celebrate the best in humanity. 
And so they, they live up to that for the most part. And then the world goes back to itself afterwards. And, and I appreciate that, Mike, because or Alex, because uh, really the athletes are representing their personal journey and their best. And then the, the country that they are from. And that means an awful lot for them to be able to be wearing uh, the American flag on their shoulder. And they are carrying that that. That responsibility, you know, they want to do the very best to reflect the best for the country. And it's quite, it's just extraordinary. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see that part of it. And so for me, it's all been watching on TV for decades. And so, as Alex mentioned, that's the first I heard him talk about that. But uh, it gave me pause for a moment. But yeah, all eyes on the world are on that spot and uh, in that event. And so uh, to be able to experience something like that live and be there, I mean, that's, uh, it should be something special. And, you know, our job hopefully is to convey just how special that moment is. I mean, people are going to feel that as they're watching, but as we go on and we talk to people, you know, hopefully we can get uh, a fraction of of what it does feel like to be there. I think that's part of what our job is as we're out there. And and Andrew was saying, yeah, we're going to be working 16-hour days or whatever, and we're going to be ready to hit the pillow every night. Um, yeah, it's going to be some grueling work, but our job is to 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 bring out the fun aspect of it and uh, some of the patriotism that comes with it, uh, the dedication, all these athletes. Our job is to make it look fun, <laughs> and and I think we'll do a great job at that. And and I think that's that it does suspend it not just the opening ceremonies, but it does suspend things for quite a bit. The politics aside, and allow us to have some common goals. Um, I I wanted to ask you again, Alex. The Olympics begin February 9th and run through the nineteenth. Is that right? Those ten days. Yeah, you know, okay. I've, it, it's kind of it's either the eighth or the ninth. Oh, right, it's so weird because it's tomorrow change. over there already. Okay. So I, it's hard to say what. I, yeah, it's getting close. Andrew, Andrew, there are live events right. that actually start on the eighth, so the night of the eighth here, here in the United in States. Okay, the opening ceremonies will be on the Friday night, as we're sort of accustomed to the ninth. But there will actually be events that start here in the United States, technically on the evening of the eighth, because they're so far ahead of us. Because competition begins. You know, in many cases, qualifiers before the opening ceremonies just to get everything in. So, uh, yeah, there will actually be events televised live on the 8th, that Thursday night of February. And then running, yeah, through like the 25th, I think, right? We'll be watching for that. Uh, Mike Hedrick, Alex Cabrero. Sorry, Cabrero. I'm working on that, Alex. Let me try it again. Mike Hedrick, Alex Cabrero, and Andrew Wittenberg. Um, The idea that you are dropped in the middle of these Olympics and the access you have to the Olympic athletes that are from Utah and from the country, it'll be extraordinary to watch. Watch you so congratulations I, go ahead no it's always fun because i mean when you do step back from being a reporter like i said before um and you tell your buddies yeah i went to an olympics i got i got to see these athletes i got to experience this i got to see the whole world together in all these countries it really is an honor to to do this you know i'm very fortunate this is my fifth one i maybe they keep sending me back till i get it right i don't know but mm-hmm. it, it really is an, an honor to do this stuff uh, and the stories and the de- relationships you develop not only with athletes and coaches but with other nbc affiliates across the country that we work with i mean you're all in this together and i like there there are no egos over there we're all in it together we're all sleep deprived by the end we're, we're sick of each other but but on that last day on that flight home everybody's just high-fiving and it, it, it's pretty awesome to experience in person well, we're excited to see all of you and, and the point of view and mike congratulations 
congratulations for being able to uh, be in South Korea representing uh, not only State of Utah, but Channel 5, KSL 5 TV. Yeah, well, hopefully my wife can, can hold it down here with our, <laughs> with our four kids. I mean, that's I got, the, I got the easy job going out there. She'll be calling Alex and Andrew's <laughs> wife and saying, come on over, let's do this together. Yeah, we need some help. We the Winter help. Games 2018 starting coverage February 8th on Channel 5. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.